Hello, Inspiration Nation. Welcome back to The Ziggler Show. This is show number 394, and we have with us Carrie Wilkerson. Our topic, labels. We all live under labels we've fallen victim to, given into, and agreed with, and even claimed. What have they done to us? What are they doing to us? What is possible if we understand and possibly alter them? It's big medicine, and this is a big show. M. Taylor is a new Ziegler Show supporter helping bring this show to you today. Folks, I used M. Taylor and got a custom-made dress shirt measured by my iPhone for 69 bucks. I picked the fabric, the color, the collar, the cuff, and the fit myself. Free shipping right to my door, and voila, my wife said I looked hot. There's no greater testimony, so you can go get 15 bucks off any purchase by downloading the M. Taylor app and using coupon code Ziggler. That's the letter M, T-A-I-L-O-R. That's the app, and then use the coupon code Ziggler. what you are and where you are because of what's gone into your mind. You can change what you are. You can change where you are by changing what goes into your mind. You cannot become what you need to be by remaining what you are. If you can't take a huge step to begin with, take as big a step as you can, but take it now. That's the key. Take it now. You can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. Today's a brand new day, and it's yours. Welcome to The Ziggler Show, where we continue the legacy of Zig Ziggler, the world's foremost authority on the fuel for everything we pursue, motivation, inspiration, and a confident self-image. We apply that fuel to leadership, personal growth, sales, faith, family, and success. Our foundational purpose is to inspire true performance, and this is the goal of every show. I'm Kevin Miller, show host and devoted evangelist of inspiration. Tom Ziegler, Zig's son and the CEO of Ziegler, and I come to you every week to discuss Zig's teachings and bring you the absolute best of today's most inspirational leaders. We get down to the roots of what will absolutely expand human potential, your potential, to it. Folks, our guest today is, as you would expect, someone who's highly accomplished, and I'll give you her bio in a minute, but from all the wealth of of things that she's done, I was enraptured by a short video about labels. I knew immediately I wanted you to hear it and for us to talk about it because it's vital. So that's just what we're going to do. If you don't know Carrie Wilkerson, here is her official bio. A small town girl who was able to think beyond the city limits. Carrie Wilkerson is a best-selling author, an international speaker, and a sought-after radio guest. Featured on CNN and Fox Business News and named by Forbes as a top small business influencer, she's also consulted uh, in marketing with launch teams of Dr. John Maxwell, Zig Ziglar, uh, Google Small Business, and other influential business leaders on business strategies and current trends. However, Carrie mostly enjoys helping ordinary people lead extraordinary lives. She got her big start in high school bagging groceries for tips only, and now she makes her living by giving tips to over 100,000 men and women as the barefoot executive. She can help you build the business you need so you can live the life you want by connecting the dots between your why and your do. 
Carrie has paid off over six figures in debt. She's lost half her body weight, 135 pounds, and runs several successful businesses from home. She's the proud mama of four kids, ages elementary through college. So check this out, folks, before we dive in. Carrie has set up a special webpage. I don't want you to miss this, just for Ziggler Show listeners, where she's giving her uh, giving uh, out her seven-day business blitz, a week-long video series to boost your productivity and profits. It's totally free if you'll go to Carrie Wilkerson. That's K A. I'm sorry. That's C A R R I E Wilkerson. W I L K E R S O N dot com slash Ziggler Show. Okay. Carrie Wilkerson dot com slash Ziggler Show. Or just go type in Carrie Wilkerson, any search engine. You'll find her. End up on her website. It'll be up there at the top, the dot com, and then add slash Ziggler Show. All right. So I'm going to give you her message on labels right after thanking another sponsor for this show, Google. An ad on Google can help your business find new customers at the exact moment they are searching for what you have to offer. Go to g.co slash Ziggler to get a $75 credit after you invest 25 bucks in your first campaign. Again, that's g.co slash Ziggler. Okay, folks, here is the message from Carrie. I think we're all familiar with the phenomenon of having a shirt or a pair of pants that has an itchy or scratchy label in it. And we, we just can't rest. We can't get comfortable until we cut that label out or get rid of that label. And, you know, the fact is in our lives, we've all been slapped with some labels too, whether it's a label you were born with whether it's a label that you got from family or friends or teachers, or whether it's a label you didn't get that you felt like you deserved. Let's talk about those for a minute. I want you to learn to deny labels and defy labels. Let me, let me tell you about my daughter, Emily. I've got four kids. My older two are adopted siblings, and I wanted to be a parent desperately. And when I was going through the adoption process, I'll never forget the day that we sat at this big conference table and all the powers that be were there. There were social workers and caseworkers and attorney ad litems and and advocates on behalf of the kids and my social worker that represented us. And they said to us, well, we have these two siblings, but honestly, we're going to recommend that you say no. We don't think it's a fit. You guys are educated and you're achievers and... These kids may not bond. We think the infant has autism. We think the toddler has cerebral palsy or or something similar. And honestly, if we're going to be brutal, we just think they will never meet your expectations. I, I still feel that same outrage, that same un unbelief, disbelief, whatever, that we just smacked the table and we said, how dare you? How dare you label these kids at eight months and two years? How dare you slap these predictors on them? And how dare you think you can determine what my expectations would be? You know, when we give birth, we don't have any guarantees either. When we adopt newborns, we have no guarantees. Do not label these kids. Well, let me tell you, whether it's sheer stubbornness or stupidity, 
I was determined that those kids would be mine, and sure enough, they made me mama. And within just a few weeks, the eight-month-old that had been determined to be the three-month-old developmental level, within just a few weeks, she was at an 11-month-old developmental level ahead of the curve where she should be. She had been cleared of any supposed, supposed diagnosis of autism or failure to thrive or failure to bond. Her brother does have some complications from in utero care, but guess what? They're happy, they're healthy, they're bonded like two peas in a pod. They love the rest of their family, including two more siblings, and they have surpassed every expectation we ever had. That baby girl graduated high school at age 16. She was fourth in her class. She did that while juggling president of the National Honor Society, first runner-up homecoming queen on the court in her school, and... She was the drum major of her mama's marching band. Yep, she was second generation drum major of my high school alma mater. And she surpassed every expectation. She defied every label. Part of that's because I shared with her some of those limitations that have been placed on her by people that didn't know her. And she was determined to defy it, to deny it. She's now a sophomore in college. She's on full scholarship, and she is studying music therapy and integrated arts therapy so she can work with other kids who have been labeled, some by birth, some after their birth by other people that have imposed those labels, and some that maybe never achieved the labels they wanted to achieve. What does that mean? Maybe you always wanted to be labeled as smart or pretty or talented, and maybe nobody gave you that label. Guess what? Create your own. Create your own label. Defy the labels that have been given to you or denied to you. I think you can. All you have to do is look at my Emily and say not only did she meet expectations, she blew them out of the water. I have since apologized to Emily and I said, shame on me. Shame on your mama for having such low expectations. I expected you to meet them. I had no idea, no idea how incredible, how amazing and how phenomenal you would be. And I'm going to say the same thing to you because maybe you can't believe that for yourself. I had no idea how amazing, how phenomenal, how incredible you could be. And I don't think you do either. Defy those labels. Whatever it is, whatever tape that's playing in your head, whatever whatever stories you're telling yourself, whatever stories other people have told you, those do not have to be true. You do not have to live with the scratchy label in your shirt or in the back of your pants. Cut it out. Stop it. Get comfortable. Or maybe you get uncomfortable proving everybody wrong. Come on. We've got work to do. Need you to buckle up. There you go. That message right there. That's the premise that we're now going to dig into because it affects everyone, I think, positive and negative. Okay. But it affects us all. We need to know how and why and what, if, if anything, we should do to alter or support our labels. Okay. So now here you go. I bring you this killer interview with Carrie Wilkerson, Tom Ziegler, and myself, myself. We cover some life changing ground in this show. Ready, set, let's go. Carrie, you and I met many years ago and you've gone on to even more so wildly succeed in your business endeavors and become a significant leader in the world of inspiration and motivation and in business and just a complete honor to share you with the Ziegler audience today. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. It's an honor to be here. 
Well, you know the purpose of The Ziggler Show is to inspire true performance. So how do you want to inspire true performance in our audience today? Wow, that's a big question. Um, You know, I think that sometimes when you say big words like inspire true performance, we all tend to wait for the big idea or the big movement or the big progress. And I think one way that I like to inspire true performance is by emphasizing the fact that we can move the needle on performance with tiny, almost imperceptible changes over a consistent basis. Those little things add up for big, big results. Those little things add up to true performance. The athlete you know, doesn't start triathlon the very first day. They start training. They start by putting one foot in front of the other. And so that's how I like to inspire true performance is by saying it doesn't have to start stellar. You just have to start and stack your steps. Awesome. Thank you. And it's kind of a loaded question because I know how you're going to inspire everybody because I know you and I know our topic today. Well, when uh, before the show, I had asked about your personal experience with Zig. You said you learned about Zig in the seventh grade through his middle school curriculum, I Can Kids. It said it, you said it taught you about goal setting and you then also bought some tapes on eBay, which dates you a little bit like me too. Uh, but you bought some tapes at a really dark time of your life and had Zig's mm-hmm. voice in your head for the first time. So I, was, I wanted to ask during this time and in listening to Zig and I'm sure some others, but what message was most relevant in anchoring you and, and, and giving you healing through that time? Yeah, you know, my story actually goes back a few years further, which I didn't even realize until I talked to someone the other day who used to be in Zig Sunday School class. She used to work at the First Baptist Church Administration Building, which is where I went to fourth and fifth grade, First Baptist Academy at the private school. I had forgotten this. This is a repressed memory, I guess. (laughs) I used to walk through the Ziegler Building on my way to class. And I, it stuck out to me because he has such an unusual name. So that was fourth and fifth grade. So then when I hit sixth and seventh grade and I was miss, in Miss Sneed's class, she was an honors English teacher at Truman Middle School in Grand Prairie, Texas. She was in Zig Sunday School class. And I guess he had asked for volunteers to take this curriculum and pilot it in their classes. And my class got the benefit of working on the Ziegler curriculum. We made mobiles that were goal setting. We, I learned for the first time about goal setting. I did not come from a family of goal setters. Um, you know, we were not dreamers or positive thinkers. Um, and so that was my first exposure to Ziegler, walking through the Ziegler Hall. So, so already I knew he was a giver and a legacy leaver. And then going through his curriculum, but then later, as I hit adulthood and, and just hit the breaks, like some of us do, dealing with weight, depression, infertility, marriage, which is hard. Um, you know, the wedding is the easy part. The marriage is the tough part. Um, that's when I started seeking some self-help, some encouraging materials besides my Bible. Um, not instead of, but in addition to, and I remembered Ziegler's name. So when I saw those materials on eBay, I ordered those tapes and I had his voice in my head. Now I'm a Southern girl. I was, I came up in a very patriarchal, uh, environment and very military, very ministerial. And so I tend to respond well 
with male authority and male teaching. And, and so Zig just kind of became this voice on my shoulder, mm. encouraging me and moving me through that time. And then, of course, later I started reading his books independently as an adult in the sales profession. And, um, and then through a mutual acquaintance who I coached, she used to work for Tom. So that's actually how I became introduced to Tom and the Zigglers personally, and then have the privilege of, of being in their personal space. So that's, that's that. Uh, Awesome. Well, and so you have done what Zig wants everybody to do and written a book, not just one, but you've, you've written plenty, but the barefoot executive, that's when I got to know you. Uh, it's called, and folks, we talked about it in the bio, but again, the barefoot executive, the ultimate guide for being your own boss and achieving financial freedom. So I was looking at that yesterday, Carrie, and I looked at the Amazon bio and I want to ask a question based off of that regarding you. It said, and so folks, the bio says real quickly, Carrie is a wife and mom of four who's juggling life. Just like you, she has the demands of health, family, finances, community. After finding herself over six figures in debt, overweight, and overwhelmed, she decided to take matters into her own hands. Being denied for job interviews and feeling hopeless, she started her first profitable, profitable business at home. With no office official business training, two little ones at home, a husband traveling with his job and zero startup capital. Carrie launched a small business that grew to six figures its first year. She's now founded and sold several companies, paid off every dime of debt, added two more kids to the mix and believes you can create a part-time or full-time business on your own terms. So we're not going to focus on the book itself today because our show is more about focusing on the the what and why than some of the how, though. I know you have that in the book, but folks, go get the book. Uh, But you recorded, Carrie, a five-minute video on labels. That's what we just played for everybody prior to bringing you on. That's what captured my attention for this interview. Uh, in going from, as you talked, as the bio talks about, going from over six figures in debt, overweight, overwhelmed to where you are now, I'm betting you overcame some personal labels. What were they? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So I... Um... I became pretty aware of labels when I taught. I taught school for a Mm. while. And then, of course, I've parented and and my kids. Sometimes we seek out labels for ourselves. Uh, You know, think back to to your high school awards ceremony when they're, when they're naming most likely to succeed and they're naming most likely to be on stage or prettiest smile or all those things. I didn't get any of the labels I wanted. I was unlabeled. You know, I was kind of in that messy middle, the unlabeled to college. And I thought, well, I can create my own labels. But mm. then I, you know, you acquire weight, you acquire debt, you acquire all these tapes playing in your head and you have to overcome those labels. It's the number one reason I think people have a hard time moving out of addiction. And the number one reason people have a hard time moving out of, you know, keeping their weight off or being successful, we sabotage ourselves because we have this itchy label that keeps nagging at us. And so my, my self-awareness is we've got to rip the label off, create a new label and live into that label, whether that is, you know, free from addiction or whether that is thin and healthy versus overweight. I've now lost half my body weight. I'm half the woman I used to be. And, um, you know, I saw this at play very much in my kids. I have a special needs son. Now, we did have to seek labels for him in order to get him some of the help and the services he needed, but then we also have to teach him to defy some of those labels to live into the purpose that God's given him. My dad was raised by a a mean alcoholic, 
and a very uneducated family. He chose to defy and deny all those labels. He was the first to graduate high school, the first to graduate college. He had military honors, a very proud career, and now in ministry. So, you know, you can deny them, you can defy them, or you can create them. And it's really, once you realize you can create your own self, um, your label can say whatever you choose for it to say. And that's exactly what I want us to dig into today is some of those aspects on both sides. I mean, Tom Ziegler, your Zig's son, surely you didn't have to overcome any labels, did you? <laughs> well, there's there's labels that get imposed on you that you buy into, and then there's labels that you self-identify with, that you, cre- right. that you create for yourself. So I'll just share two labels. Uh, when when as, as young as I can remember, three, four years old, uh, I like to eat. And my body retains bread, it retains ice cream, it retains carbs in general. So I was always uh, in the husky section of the of the clothes growing up. Mm-hmm. And uh, so some kids in elementary school started calling me Tom Tom Tomato Bomb. <laughs> and just, oh, wow. wow. Where does that come from? I don't know, except for maybe I was round. I, you know what I'm, you know what I'm, what I'm saying? And so that's been a, you know, that's been a, a, a label that I've had to deal with. And then the other one is a self-imposed label. I mean, it's true, but you can make out of it what you want. Hey, I'm, I'm Zig Ziglar's son. How cool is that? And it has all the greatness that goes with it. But it can also, if, if you don't deal with it right, it can have pressure. Yeah. Like, wait a second, I should speak like Zig Ziglar. Dad never once... Uh, suggested that. He always told me, son, whatever you do, just do it with 100% effort and 100% integrity. And it took me most of my life, you know, not until my mid-40s to where I felt comfortable speaking and just being myself versus somebody else. So this label thing, it really fascinates me. Uh, C.S. Lewis said that we're, we're not a body with a soul. We're a soul with a body. And then I was, I heard someone say recently that Whatever car we drive, that's not us. We're in this car, but the car is not us. We're in this body, but this body is not us. So if you go back to C.S. Lewis, our soul, and so babies don't recognize color and distinction and all that amongst other babies. It's just another soul that they're looking at. Mm-hmm. And then they they get all this um information that comes in and says, oh, you're black, you're white, you're tall, you're fat, you're skinny, what, whatever the labels that we put on to people. And, I, and I, that's one of my goals right now is to look at souls mm. rather, than, rather than the vehicle that they're in right. because we don't judge people by their car. Well, I'm glad because I'm, today I'm driving an 11-passenger all-wheel drive van and it's it's just not well, set, when you've created not, your own sports team for the yeah. miller family yeah you, you're limited on your choices but, of what you can drive uh, i however yeah. drive a bright orange subaru cross trek which is very cool and we have oh. named her tangy oh. so she's kind of a member of the family okay i like that i like that well something you said that i had not pulled out from your video carrie just in testifying to yourself you said that there was a degree where you felt almost unlabeled which is interesting to me in my own coaching and consulting, it feels like there's a growing number of people who, yeah, don't necessarily have something really bad in their childhood, but not something really good. It was just kind of meh. You know, their parents right. had jobs. They went through life. There was nothing, nothing good or bad. It was just kind of bland. 
And I've found that for, I'll tell you from a, and I bet you have too, from a coaching consulting standpoint, I have the absolute hardest time with those folks. I can't find a good anchor. I can't find a good hook. And so when you're saying, gosh, I came out and kind of unlabeled, I bet a lot of people resonate with that, that it wasn't a bad label, but not a good one. They're going to have to manifest their own. Right. Well, and you know, that can be positive or negative. So, so what I recognized at, you know, prom when I was sitting there and I, I felt like a pretty standout kid. I mean, I, I was in the top 10 of the class. I was involved in everything. I was a leader. And yet I left there without a label. Nobody had any predictions for me. None of that. Now, hmm. now if we flash back, when I hang out with some of those people now, the guy who got most likely to succeed, who's a CEO in Arizona and does great, he'll say, wow, we really... We really missed that call, didn't we? That should have been you through and through. Or the girl who got most likely to be on stage because of her musical ability. She says, wow, we really missed that call, didn't we? Because you're the one that's on all the stages. So I kind of left that a little floundering. I think a lot of kids, you see this, you guys have older kids, you know that when they hit college, a lot of them proudly drag those labels with them, and they are so identified as the quarterback or the head cheerleader or the prom queen that it then cripples them. Mm-hmm. So what I realized my first few years of college was, hey, that's actually kind of freeing. I get to create the rest of the story. I get to determine what's next. I'm not dragging head cheerleader behind me. I'm not dragging that expectation. I create my own expectation. So I think it can be positive. It can also be negative. But you know, with my kids, I say, who cares if they acknowledged or validated that? Number one, that's not who your validation comes from. And number two, um, that just means that you get to create and self-identify. I'm at a period right now of still figuring out how I look I'm still new in my body and I've so identified with being like Tom said, with being, you know, hefty or husky, even though I didn't feel um, tormented or made fun about it, there was still a little bit of invisibility that went with it. And, um, and then there was discrimination as I got older and looked at jobs and those kind of things. But I don't recognize myself in mirrors. I don't recognize myself in like windows. And my mom sent me a picture. We were at uh, the Smithsonian the other day. She sent me a picture of myself from across the room. And I was taking pictures of my dad and the whole crowd. She said, I thought you'd like to see how little you are because I don't think you see it yet. Mm -hmm. And she's right. She's absolutely right. Because if I had just seen that picture in passing, I would not have identified with that label. I walked down the aisle of a plane and I was stuck in a middle seat and I immediately felt my shoulders go up and like the tension of, oh, I hope they're not upset that it's me in the middle seat. You know, all those years of that. And I sit down and this cute little blonde girl goes, ah, it's always such a relief when they put somebody little bitty in the middle. And I I looked around. I'm like, who is she talking to? And she is a model in New York. And she said, I'm talking about you. And I just, I welled up. I got tears. I said, I'll tell you my story in a minute right now. I'm just going to kind of grasp the fact that you said I was little bitty. <laughs> so it's these labels. And, you know, my dad could have used his labels of the alcoholic, uneducated family. He could have used that as a reason not to achieve and not to do. And nobody would have faulted him for that. Everybody would have said, yes, we understand. We get it. But instead, he defied and denied that and just just created this new reality for himself and inspired that in us too. We have, we have a story in the born to win book about an interview with two twins 
And one of them was in prison and one of them was the CEO of the company. And the interview, uh, the first, the twin in the prison, they said, why are you in prison? And he said, well, uh, my mom or my dad left my mom. He beat her. He was an alcoholic. How could I not end up in prison? And the other twin said, well, you know, my mom uh, was beaten up by my dad. He left her. He was an alcoholic. How could I not? And he did. Right. I love that story. Yeah. So I'm going to jump in here to tell you more about our new Ziggler show sponsor for this show. It's M Taylor. That's the letter M T A I L O R. Here's a cool thing. They won't sponsor a podcast unless the host personally tries one of their products and goes through the process. So I did, I downloaded the app and, uh, it's amazing. Go get the app right now. M Taylor. All right. And you go through, pick out your shirt or pants or suit I picked out a great color blue that my wife said would go great with my eyes. I chose a non-iron fabric because, well, we don't iron clothes. Then I picked out a cool style that's made for not tucking in, which I like to do sometimes. So the app then has you check this out, get in your skivvies, uh, set it down on the ground at, uh, you know, against the wall. And it has a little level on it so that you put it at just the perfect angle. You step back and it leads you in a slow 360 to measure you. It's astounding. So M Taylor, they went head to head with professional tailors and found that their app is 20% more accurate at taking measurements. So with that amazing accuracy, app users can receive their perfect fitting shirt and suits in the mail, never go to the mall or tailor again. Now I've never had a custom tailored clothing of any type. Uh, I'm cheap, but goodness, I mean, it's only 69 bucks for a perfectly tailored shirt. That's what I got. So M Taylor, they offer a complete satisfaction guarantee if you're not completely satisfied, they will issue a full refund or remake it for free. So I'll be wearing mine in Cancun this next week as my wife says, I look hot in it. Thank you very much. Get 15 bucks off any purchase by downloading the M Taylor app and using a coupon code Ziggler. Okay. So again, the letter M then T A I L O R download the app, use the coupon code Ziggler to get 15 bucks off your purchase. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so I, you know, I love the personal testimony on that. In looking at labels, I know just as you referenced yourself as a teacher, as a parent, and now as a coach, consultant, leader, that you are experiencing that probably with everybody you run into that once I, I can imagine you that with, with labels and with this video you did that you can see that with everybody. Everybody is suffering, benefiting, whatever from labels. So in your in your work leading so many people, I'm wondering what are some of the most prevalent limiting labels. So when you're speaking to a crowd, which, and they're already somewhat, uh, I mean, these, these are aspiring people or they wouldn't yeah. be there. They're not just the run of the mill folks out in the street. They're actually there. But even those folks that are there aspiring, when you look out with your experience already, what labels do you already know that a majority are under that are going to have to be removed for them to progress? Well, you just said it aspiring. They have themselves so stuck in aspiring that they never move themselves to achieving. Wow. Well, we can stop the show there. That's good. Right. Folks, you got That's that? Say that. Say, say it again. Seriously. Well, they're aspiring. They, they see themselves. This is why they go from conference to conference to conference and book to book to book and coach to coach to coach because they're aspiring. They are never going to label themselves as achieving, as there, as arrived. Wow. They are either so in love with the journey 
or in love with the dream or in love with the hope that they never give themselves the label of there. I'm never there. I'm always trying to get there. I'm never um, satisfied or, or I'm never good enough. So unworthy is a label, but a lot of us are savvy enough to recognize unworthy and we say, mm-hmm. oh, we're worthy. I just don't know enough yet or just haven't done enough yet. You asked earlier about people were coaching and the people without the big story are sometimes hardest to brand. Well, I started business before I knew anything about branding. Thank goodness. I'd have been all hung up in my brand. You said to me one time when you were doing a lot of brand work, you said, you know, the Barefoot Executive brand is so strong. I don't know that I've ever created a brand that strong as what you have. And with me, it was just a nickname. And it was just something I thought people could latch into. So I think people need to stop creating a brand to grow into and be their brand and embrace that. Be their brand. Be be someone whose unique ability or unique label is understanding or kindness or mercy or perseverance or longevity or motivation. I don't think Zig got super hung up on creating his brand. He went out and did what Zig did. And he knocked on doors and pounded the pavement to get Zig in more doors. And that became his brand. So I think we're a little hung up on creating the persona, creating the label, when really we can we can make the label what we live. Mm-hmm. But I think aspiring would be the first thing I would say they're hung up on. The other thing is people are really hung up on the fact that they're broke. They're always broke. That's why debt people always stay in debt. They get back in debt. Here's part of the story that's not in my bio. I've been in six figures of debt more than once. I'm a slow learner. I know how to get out of it, but I'm a slow learner. I've done it twice. Does that make me like double motivational or does that make me double stupid? Well, it's because we have these labels about we're spenders or we're not savers or we're not good money management. How many of your own kids or family members have said, ah, I'm so bad with math. I'm so bad with numbers. These are these labels that we we either enjoy or relish or make jokes around, but that really affect who we are. But the number one thing about people that we coach is they're stuck in the aspiring. They're stuck in the almost. And they have to embrace the label of celebrating the wins. My clients know this. First thing we do, we, we talk about wins. Let's label our wins. Who had a win for the week? You're not allowed to talk unless you're talking about a win. Mm. Not allowed to whine until you tell me about a win. And then here's what happens. They shift everything. They start celebrating and then they don't have as much to whine about or complain about. So we do the the wins, the whines, and then the wants. And typically we don't have a lot of whines because they're skipping to the, okay, I want more wins. So how do we make this happen? So we, So that's a part of labeling yourself as an achiever. Instead of, oh, I haven't hit this, I haven't done this, I haven't gone there yet. Let's talk about what you did do, even if it's a little win. So remember, we talked about moving the needle. Those are the almost imperceptible changes that add up to big differences. Well, Carrie, I don't know if you realized it, but you just uh, talked about what we call one of our sequences of success. I know high-end consultants, if they have a whole day to help turn a company around, They're paid to go in there to fix things, and the reason they're so successful is they'll spend the whole first half of the day talking about what they're doing right. And the reason is, is in the sequence to success, hope and optimism have to be unleashed first 
before creativity can happen. Right. And creativity gives you the new things you need to create that habit that's going to change the future or that system that's going to change your business. And so we get so stuck in the, you know, in the mindset of, well, this is wrong, that's wrong. And when we go in that, we go into lockdown. We, we don't have the creativity to figure out what to do next. That's just, I mean, to me, that, that is super powerful. Yeah, we need a, Carrie, you need to create, if you don't have it already, we need a quote poster from you with something to that degree, the aspiring to, to get to achieving that we can okay. post uh, for, seriously, that's, it's so strong. It's something that we do talk about uh, here on the show that we've hit. And, you know, even with this big audience who I, I think are, are the most incredible people ever uh, is the Ziegler audience. But even there, I know that we can all get stuck in that aspect of getting the next blog, the next book, the next podcast, and we get addicted to this positive entertainment and we don't actually do something. We've got to stop and sometimes shut that stuff off. And so folks, I give you permission to after Carrie's show, not before then, uh, (laughs) you can cut off this podcast and skip one. And and instead of listening to the next one, maybe just go do something that you've learned here from Carrie right now. Again, I'm going to, I want to continue to ask for some of your experience and perspective, your wisdom uh, as a sage who's seen so many people walk in their efforts towards progression. So in your work with so many folks, do you find the need, just just an average question, kind of a statistics, do you find that there's generally more of a need for the masses, for again, a group that you're talking to, to put more weight on having bad labels they need to deny and define, or there's more weight needing to be put on adapting, uh, adopting, claiming new good labels? Or is it even? That's a great question. I I hadn't really thought of that. Um, my, My instinct would be to say, we all know that you can't just stop a bad habit. Typically, you have to replace the bad habit with good. So I know that that Tom has talked before about, you know, ditching wheat and ditching sugar and, and um, you know, transforming his health and his body that way. And that's very similar to what I've done uh, to change my body as well. And it, it's really difficult to ditch one habit and just say, okay, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this without replacing it with something good. And I would say you can't just be necessarily unlabeled because that's, that's an invisible, unvalidated, unrecognized place. And so I would say maybe you have to, to, and for me, it's out loud. I have to verbally dismiss negative thinking. Like when I say, um, well, I'm not an athlete. You know, that's not part of what I am, what I do. Um, You know, I have to say, well, that's just silly. You've never even attempted to be an athlete. That's just silly. You're not a practicing athlete, but you have some athletic, you you have some athletic that you could, if you chose, you could choose to be an athlete. That's a choice. Mm -hmm. So I have to literally talk out, out loud to myself about those kind of things. And then you have to take action, I think, to disprove yourself. To, to deny that label. So for instance, um, when I was in middle school, we had to choose, I was in a small school district, we had to choose between the athletic track and the music track. Well, I'm all about music and I'm all about performing arts. So of course I chose that. And that's when I became a non-athlete. I'm not an athlete, I'm a musician, I'm a performer. Well, now that I'm shifting my body and my health and all these kind of things, I'm trying to embrace more physical activity and more sports. So I actually have signed up for a half marathon. Oh, <laughs> awesome. congratulations. Yeah, 
at Disneyland. And, awesome. and here's the deal. I don't enjoy running. It's not super fun for me. But I am defying that label to myself and to my kids that I'm not an athlete. I can define the type of athlete that I am. I may not be like a hobby athlete. I may not ever be a competitive athlete, but I can be physical and I can use athleticism to create a new me. So, so that's denying that label and declaring a new label of, I will define the type of athlete that I am. So I think we have a lot of negative labels. They tend to to crop up in habits or the things our parents said to us. You know, I adore my parents. Nobody is more proud of their parents than me. And I'm very, very close to them. But I still have some tapes in my head. You'd lose your head if it wasn't attached. You know, I wish you'd stick with one thing and follow through instead of trying to do all these things. Now I recognize those labels as predictors of entrepreneurialism, right? (laughs) But as a kid, as a kid, they defeat you a little. Those labels defeat you. And it, you can either turn it to be a positive label and encourage yourself with it. Like, wow, yesterday my daughter said, um, I have three daughters, one son. I have a daughter that looks so much like me and acts so much like me. It's a, it's a little unsettling. And she said to me yesterday, mom, do I have ADHD? Because I know you struggle with that. Do I have that too? I said, ADHD is just a label. ADHD is just a label. It means we have busy brains that have a hard time focusing on one thing because we're interested in so much and talented at so much and want to accomplish so much that we just have a little extra hard time focusing on one thing. But Katie, if you channel that tendency and that busy brain for good, it will be your biggest asset and it will be no liability and your friends will be jealous of your ADHD. So you use it as an or instead of a crutch and it will be so much better for you. Uh, okay. There's another one. Uh, or instead of a crutch. Yeah, I, like, I'll write that I, one I got that one down. I, I, I love that. Uh, you know, uh, one of the things that I, what I learned because I'm a nerd and I do all this research is that did you, you just talk, label yourself as a nerd? I'm a proud nerd. <laughs> proud nerd. Oh, believe me, I'm I'm on a mission to unite the nerds worldwide uh, <laughs> for all the good that nerds do. But yeah, I carry that banner high uh, because <laughs> I have a view of it that's like, man, I want to be that. So, and everybody else should too. I mean, everybody's jealous of the nerds. I mean, it's there just, you go. See, that's that's switching the label to a super positive. Okay, it's your just research reality. When you are talking with somebody who uh, has ADD, ADHD, uh, dyslexia, something else, 30% of those people are in the genius category, which is, I think the rest of the population is, what, 3% or 5%. So because I know that, I kind of get intimidated when I talk to people who have, quote, unquote, learning difficulties because... What they really have is an advantage because they've had to learn how to overcome that, which gives them so many more possibilities that they can go down the path. Totally agree. We, we have a, a guy in our ZLC. His name is Trinell, and Trinell is fantastic. And he was, he was uh, injured in a football injury when he was 14. He's paralyzed from the neck down. And one of the guys speaking looked at Trinell and said, uh, you know your brain is probably 10 to 20% bigger than anybody else's in here because you had to figure out all the ways to get things done without using your body. Yep. And I was like, whoa, no wonder I always felt intimidated around Trinell. 
you know, not in a negative way, just in, man, this guy, look at what he's doing. with. Yeah. You know. And so when we turn our labels around and we make them positive, a key two words that somebody taught me one time is if you have a negative label on yourself or you always say, well, nobody in our family does that or I can never do that. Just put the words until now. Right. That sentence. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. A quick pause for Google, who is sponsoring this show. You might be surprised how many people are looking for your business or your product or your service or your message on Google every day. Not always by your specific name, but by the many terminologies around what you offer that you should have out there for people to find you through. So when people are searching for these things, it means they're interested And that's exactly when your business should be there. The good news is it's easy to make that happen. Just run an ad on Google. You all know how this works or you know the results of how this works when you've gone and looked for something. Then all of a sudden, anywhere else you're searching, boom, they keep popping up. That's what you want happening with your business. You don't have to fully understand it, okay? Or be a marketing genius. We know it works. You know it works. They know it works. Creating an ad just takes a few minutes and it will get you results. Head on over to G dot co slash Ziegler to learn more. There's even a special offer waiting for you. So again, G dot co slash Ziegler. Well, so in this, I know people are listening and I know our in, in, intelligent audience here is uh, not in their heads. They understand this and they can easily aspire to it, but to get down to the, the, the hardcore stuff of actually trying to achieve changing labels or releasing from some, denying some, embracing some others. I want to ask some, uh, some specifics on, on that. Let's talk about defying and denying labels and what it okay. really takes. I know, and you alluded to this some, and something you said just a little bit ago, but uh, where when you have a, let's say you have a blatantly hateful label given to you. Uh, you know, by parents, siblings, family, schoolmates, friends, bosses, coworkers, whatever, uh, literally harmful labels. I, I see sometimes, or I wonder if sometimes those are even, those are maybe even a little bit harder or easier, I'm sorry, easier to dismiss because they are so blatant. I see people questioning this, this topic somewhat with the maybe softer labels that aren't so blatant, the ones that are said by those who we think, well, actually, they actually do know us. And they're kind of hard to deny because I know there's a little bit of viable truth in that label. So now you're just telling me to just rip it off and throw it away. Man, that's, that's hard because I've got testimony from people out here. Right. What do those folks do? Yeah, so those are similar to the labels, you know, like I mentioned earlier, Carrie, if you would just focus on one thing or follow through all the way to the end instead of being interested in so many things. Or another one I heard, and and you guys can relate to this, is Carrie, you've got to stop talking so much. You've got to stop talking. Or my dad, who would tease me and say, baby girl, if you could ever figure out a way to get paid for talking, you'll never want a day in your life. Showed him, didn't you? Those are labels. And they say to me, you talk too much. You talk too much. Nobody, the underlying message is nobody wants to hear all that. Nobody wants to hear all that. Instead, I think that what I did unconsciously was say, okay, so make sure I'm saying things people want to hear. Hmm. Okay, well, make people laugh. Make people comfortable. Make people feel better about themselves. 
And I was, I was practicing Ziggler from the time I was little. I would go into a room and if it was uncomfortable or if I felt people were lonely or sad or discouraged, I would go in and be the entertainment or be the encourager or be the uplifter with my talking. So I knew my talking had a purpose. I knew I talked too much, but I, but I turned it around. So, so now my family says, oh, look, that was a precursor to, you know, this great label she was going to have later where people actually pay her to talk. So those subtle things, my, my middle daughter used to get in trouble for singing all the time at school. You know, she can't pay attention. She's too busy singing. She can't be still. She's too busy singing and dancing. Well, this is the daughter that's studying to be on Broadway now. And, and so, yeah, those subtle, those subtle things, you know, if you only did this, then people would like you better. If you only lost 25 pounds, my brother told me once, if you only lost 25 pounds, you'd be super cute told me that when I was like nine years old, it still plays in my head. I'm still wondering if I've hit the 25 pounds and cute, you know? So the subtle levels are hard. You have to decide either to turn the volume up on it and use it for good or tune them out and create something differently. So, um, you know, when I speak to colleges and high schools, I, I tell these kids, you know, that thing that people are teasing you about or that your parents get frustrated at you about, or maybe that thing you get in trouble for the most, maybe you're questioning authority, or maybe you're always looking at a different way to do things. That may be your superpower. That may be your special gift that we just have to mature it, refine it, and make sure we're using it for good instead of trouble. And, and that may be the thing that becomes how you rock the world and change the world. Because I believe that God's given us gifts. I believe that God made me verbal. I believe that he gave me an intuitive nature and a discernment that I can walk into a room and minister to the hurting people um, with, through humor and through ease and through encouragement in a very sincere and real way. Other people will look and go, oh, she's so charismatic and she's so magnetic. I'm ministering to other people to overcome my own discomfort, <laughs> but but then it, it becomes a positive label. So I think sometimes we have to just outright dismiss the negative, hateful things when people at your school tell you you're ugly or people at your school. Um, I'm also a big believer in if you can fix it, fix it. You know, if you really, if your nose bothers you and you were made fun of for your nose your whole life, if it really is affecting you living into your purpose, go get it fixed. Either get over it or go get it fixed. If your weight bothers you, get over it or fix it. You know, we don't have to live with the labels. They're not tattooed on us unless we choose for them to be tattooed on us. Okay, that uh, there's too much there. First off, folks, <laughs> that last four minutes or so of Carrie, that's going to be a dramatic crux for a lot of you. I love how you position that. And, and I'm sitting here taking notes. And so to paraphrase, you're saying to somewhat, if there's a, a somewhat negative label that you're being teased about or whatever your parents are giving you or somebody chides you about a little bit, you may need to take that. And you know that there's a little truth into it as well. Take it, embrace it like you did and said, okay, I, I'm, I'm a talker, but... You didn't just say, I am what I am. You said, okay, but I need to refine, hone, channel it, and it became your superpower. That's huge. That, that's huge. I, I want folks to, to hear that. You may need to hit rewind and go back and listen to that again because I think that's going to hit a majority of folks. But now you just what you just said there, um, I'm going to have to get my head around that a little bit because it's, uh, it could be somewhat of a volatile perspective. I'm with you. 
I have just never heard anybody say it. If you have something, you actually took, you actually took a physical thing like a nose, you know, and we could take it in a, in a bunch of ways and say, look, if that's a big enough uh, stumbling block for you, fix it. Well, there you're getting into, I mean, we, we can get into some theological issues on that one, but I'm totally with you. If it is, and it's holding you back, uh, I mean, we get our kids, you know, everybody gets their teeth fixed and that's just a common thing. Yeah. You're, that's a responsible hey, thing. It's biblical. If your hand offends, you cut it off. If your nose offends, you, if you're, you know, cut off your nose, handle it, handle it. If it doesn't violate a, a moral code or a law or scripture why not fix it? If it's keeping you from living into your full purpose, from affecting other people and from being who God intends you to be, if you really cannot get over yourself, then fix it. That's why people that say, oh, we're going to have the embrace the fat movement. And, and that's fine and good if your weight doesn't bother you. But mm -hmm. if your weight is keeping you from being who you in, are intended to be, then fix it for the love. You know, you're not, you're, that's not a permanent weight for you. It's fixable. Your personality is fixable. Your, um, you know, I say, Said, well, people would quit telling me to shut up if they liked hearing what I had to say. So make sure that what I say is something that they like, and then that works, right? So Katie's the same with music. She knows now to, to save it for stage or be polished or be good enough that they like it or involve them in the production. You can fix it. I've said a hundred times from stage, there is nothing different between you and anybody that's on that stage that you can't learn or that you can't have fixed. Wow. It, it just is what it is. So you can have people that, that hate on me for advocating plastic surgery because that'll be a headline somewhere. And that's okay. Listen, I'm a fan of whatever tools you need to use uh, to fix whatever you need fixed, whatever makes it work for you. I'm just saying you are not in a permanent state. We are evolving creatures. We are changeable. We are clay. We are clay. That is also biblical. We can mold and change to meet a better purpose. And, and if something is not serving you or serving your business or serving your family or serving your Lord, you have a responsibility to fix it. You know, I, I love that whole line and I'm zigglerizing it a little bit, but what irritate? What about you irritates others could be your unrefined superpower. Yep. I remember as a kid watching Carol Burnett, I mean, one of the greatest comedians of all time. Her facial expressions were just off the charts. And she did this one bit at a talk show, and she said, yeah, when I was growing up, I used to do this. And she made all these faces like she was looking in the mirror. And they were just hysterical the way she could contort. And then she said, my mom would come in and go, Carol, what are you doing that for? What are you ever going to use faces for? I mean, there you go. You know, I watched a, um, I watched a video clip on YouTube recently of Jim Carrey and, uh, you know, the great philosopher, Jim Carrey. <laughs> right. And he said, I realized that this goofiness I had and this ability to make people laugh was actually the gift of delivering people from their concerns, letting them cast care aside for a minute. And I realized that was my superpower. So yeah, if you have the ability, sometimes too, the things that people fuss at us for or pick at us for, it's because they're intimidated or jealous. And that is what it is. And sometimes as we're younger, we don't pick up on that or get that or even understand that. 
interestingly, neither do the other kids on the playground with this. They don't get why they're making fun of us. They are just doing what they do. So we just have to fix it. We have to say, you know what? That's my label. I can let it define me forever or I can refine it and choose to go forward. Well, just again, folks, before we walk away from that one on, on Carrie's aspect of whatever it is, fix it. I, for those of you who are here truly, uh, trying to inspire your true performance. You got a lot of, you got a, a get out of jail free card right there. You got freedom and permission to just go do something that you may have feel may have felt imprisoned to. And, and on that note, I want to hit something, Tom, that you said and come to come back to that. And you talked about some of the, uh, limiting positive labels, uh, because that's my, that's, that's some of my own testimony. I did not get one negative teasing label from my parents. I got everything you would strive to give as a parent. I got positivity. I got encouragement. I got support. They looked at the way that I was bent and said, let's just give him all the, the, the wind beneath his wings that he can have for that. And that was great. Now I happened for my own part to be a, a significant people pleaser. Uh, and I also, you know, I am a, am a guy that strives for a lot. And so I took some of those positive labels and I put myself in a bit of a cage and that went on and on and on until I found myself later in life wondering, wait a minute, when it was brought to my attention, I'm not quite sure who the heck I naturally am. I think I've left some of that to perform according to these hmm. positive labels. Well, that was Carrie. And I mentioned that before we uh, got on the show as a parent, of course, I'm highly highly sensitive to negative labels for my kids mm-hmm. uh, and even from a teasing standpoint to watch it, man, I don't, do not want to put them there, but I was, because of that, I was just about as much focused on let's hold on to the positive ones that we give them. Cause I'm, I don't want them to be imprisoned to those and to say, Oh, Caleb, he's the math whiz. Uh, Autumn, she's the, she's the reader and the writer, uh, Ian, he's the musician. Cause I don't want them to be stuck. Okay. You take, you seem to be good here guys, but I'm so, so I grapple with that some. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, There's an excellent, excellent resource. Uh, Carol Dwyer is her name and it's a book on mindset. Okay. And, you know, take or leave all of it. I, I am a big fan of read the book, whether you agree with all of it, but here, here's a core concept in there that I think is huge and has changed the way I talk to my kids. Okay. It's where you praise and label and validate the effort instead of the talents. Mm. So Katie Grace was born singing. She was born whole, everything was a microphone. Now what's interesting is she wasn't watching TV and seeing that she had never seen us perform. We're very musical. She'd never seen that, but intuitively everything was a microphone from the time she was a toddler. She was musical. She got pitch at 18 months. She, her timing, everything is really incredible. So I could very easily label her as the musical one. We're all very musical, She is a bent towards performing, but what I do is I praise how many times she goes over the song and how coachable she is on what she's changing. I I will validate the amount of effort she puts into the nuances instead of, wow, you're so gifted. And when people compliment her, you're so talented, Katie, you're so talented, I will say God's given her a gift, but man, does she work hard on it. Wow, does she really work at that? Because I'm labeling the work ethic. I'm labeling the effort and the cultivation of the gifts instead of just the gifts. Because what's happening is people that have labels like that, like you've gotten, darn that Dan and Joanne Miller for praising you so much. (laughs) 
Man, I love those people. Um, but what happens then is we get hooked on the drug of validation there you go. Yeah. and applause and kudos, and we do, it's very empty. And then we don't know how to function without it, um, and that's a danger. So instead, and then if things are hard or if we have obstacles that we cannot hit that level we feel like we're achieving, we stop. Well, that's not my gift. I'm going to delegate that. I'm going to outsource that because that's not my gift. That's not my strength. I'm going to function only in my genius. Now, as a, as a CEO of your company, you should be focusing more in your genius than in other things. But some of that is a cop-out. Some of that is, ooh, that's hard, so I don't want to do it. I tend to do the same thing. I don't do my kids' math tutoring. I don't check their math work because I've struggled in that area. So I've just said, ooh, that's hard. I can't hit my own level of validation and praise on that. I'm going to let somebody else handle it. So Dwyer has done this amazing research on praise the effort, Mm. validate the effort, label, if we're going to stick with that word today, label the effort and the ethic and not necessarily the result. Yeah, I was just I was just going to say, uh, asking dad, and, and he said this from the stage thousands of times, he said the number one reason for his success was character and integrity. Yep. The number two reason for his success was persistent consistency, which is the Ziegler definition of work ethic. And so 100%, everything that we've ever put out confirms what you just said when we praise anybody, our kids especially, it's about their their work ethic, their discipline around that, and the character and integrity with which they do it. Yep. And, you know, when we look at a public school system or a private school system or a team sport system, they're always praised for the score. They're praised for the team record. They're praised for making it. They're praised for those things. Very rarely are we praising based on the hard work, the grit, the perseverance, what I call the resilience factor. That's what the whole carry on movement, you know, that's my hashtag, carry on. That's what the whole carry on movement is about, is the resilience factor. Hanging in there even when life isn't going the way you thought, instead of sitting there sucking your thumb and whining about the hand that life has dealt you. How do I pick myself up? You notice that Tom didn't say, you know, the the top two factors have nothing to do with talent. There's a lot of talented people out of work. There's a lot of talented people underperforming. There are a lot. Let's look at Hollywood. There are a lot of Hollywood A-listers that aren't the most talented, but they went to the most auditions or worked with the most coaches mm-hmm. or or knocked on the most doors or just flat out hung in there, bettered their situation, bettered their body, bettered their whatever, um, that aren't necessarily as talented. This is something I'm having to teach Katie as she's looking at Broadway or national touring is that she's talented But what's going to set her apart is her work ethic. And she's very talented vocally. And in acting, dancing, she's having to up-level on. But she doesn't enjoy it. Well, she's at that 12-year-old baby giraffe stage. You know, she's all arms and legs. And so it's not easy. So, Kevin, she's fallen into that trap that you were talking about. She loves to do the stuff she gets validated for and applauded for. So she wants to dismiss dance. Nope, because they're going to take a singer that's a little less than you, but who can dance better than you because they hung in there through the hard stuff and through the gangly stuff. So there are a lot of talented people on the sidelines. There are a bunch of mediocre people, talent-wise, that excel in ethic and integrity and hanging in there. And they're the people you see as successful and you're saying, oh, I wish I was as talented as them. Or you're saying, I'm more talented than them. Why can't I? I guess I'm stuck in 
aspiring mode because I haven't had the lucky break or I don't have the parents that they had. Guys, we could sit and look on this call and say, well, Kevin's parents are Dan and Joanne Miller. Well, Tom's parents are the Zigglers. Well, Carrie had amazing overachieving parents too. And they're going to say their success is because of the parents they had. If they only knew what my life was, if they only knew what my background was, blah, blah, blah. And that's not it at all. You've got to stop excusing everybody else's success to talent and luck and stop giving yourself a break and realize that it all comes down to resilience, grit, perseverance, and ditching those labels. Folks, that was well worth the price of mission right there and beyond. Uh, so, Carrie, just I'm taking notes like crazy. I, I've got some stuff that I want to share with my kids based off of what you shared there. I've got something for your daughter that I'll, I'll take offline with you that I'm excited. Awesome. I'm excited about. So, I'm going to end us on this aspect of labels, which is it's dramatically, direly important. But just in the aspect of a label, somebody who's sitting there, me, you, somebody else who's sitting there listening, thinking about a label, and they have something that they want to be labeled as. When I was thinking about it, as I, as I dwelled on this, I thought, you know, we're talking about a vision. I have a vision for myself. So for those folks who have a, they want to have a vision of something better. I mean, we're talking about the essence of goals here. I mean, we're talking about goals. Carrie took, but I like that with goals. And I'm going to ask you to, to kind of end us on this. When we're looking at goals, the concept of goals in and of itself is sometimes such a big elephant for folks to choose, uh, to chew on, um, that this piece of labels is very tangible, very relevant, and should be an easier part for folks to grasp onto. And is that what you find then, that if, we, if they can do that and take that, that label that they want to achieve, create it into a vision um, and I did, I, you know what, I am going to throw a one, one aspect of this at you that do you find more success in that, that frame with taking a label and, and claiming it, or is it more of a kind of like Zig self-talk cards? It's a prophetic naming and striving and taking baby steps over time. Yes to both. I think to relabel yourself, you have to state it. I told you earlier that I have to say those things out loud. Yeah. I have to talk to myself and say, I'm an athletic at this moment. What do I have to, what would an athlete do when I'm trying to decide if I'm going to go train? What would an athlete do today? Okay, I'm an athlete. Therefore, I'm going to put on my shoes and I'm going to hit the road today. It's raining. I really don't want to go today. But what would an athlete do? Well, I am an athlete. And so therefore, you know, you have to restate it and claim it. That does feel silly. That does feel, you know, a, a little, um, you know, prosperity-ish to some people. But the fact is we have to reprogram ourselves. We don't get overweight in a day. We don't get over debt in a day. We don't have all that in a day. We've also heard some of these things from teachers and parents and well-meaning people our whole lives. We're not going to reprogram it in a day. Um, there is a video that I'm going to embed on the talk show page. So the link that you guys send everybody to, first of all, you have to go see my favorite Ziggler picture, uh, where I made him, where he was making me laugh out outrageously on stage, favorite picture ever. I should have it on a t-shirt. It's there, but also I want you to go watch this video about my dad. When I told you about his rough, rough history, um, my dad would say, well, I'm going to, you know, become a master chief in the Coast Guard. Okay, well, how are you going to do that? Well, I'm going to take the test. That's all I have to do. That's all I have to do is take the test and learn the stuff. Why couldn't I? It was a why couldn't I? We, we showed up. This is what the video is about. We showed up to a new house in Elizabeth City, North Carolina, 
And, you know, he would have to move before us and pick out the house before us. There was no, like, FaceTiming with the wife so she could see the house, too. My mom moved into houses she had never seen before. And uh, we walked in the house, and I'll never forget my mom said, well, this is nice, honey, but where are we going to put everybody? It was like this little bitty house. There were five of us. He said, oh, I'm going to put a second story on. I'm going to add two bedrooms upstairs for the boys and a bathroom and a staircase over here. We're going to knock out this wall. She said, well, that's great, but you don't have those skills. And she was trying to be an affirming wife and trying to be really positive. He said, it's okay, babe. I bought these books. He had ordered the Time Life Home Remodeling Series and he bought the books. And guys, that house is still standing. He doubled the square footage of it. We lived in the house. Um, He learned it from books because of these new labels he was willing to attach himself. So watch that video. And, And he's the reason, I think, that... There's never been a label I was scared to take on. There's never been a label that I didn't think I could do. Ditching the negative is a little harder, but you do have to speak it, fix it, move through it, own it. Own it, if I could say one thing, you have to own it. You have to say, okay, yep, they called me tubby, tubby, Tom, tomato, or whatever they called you. They called me that, but that's not who I am. That was their issue, not my issue. I can change this. I can fix this. And I can move forward. Yes, I've striven for validation and applause and approval my whole life as a Miller kid. But now I have to own that and realize that here's where I have value and here's what I can do and here's the rest of the story. And so I think it's a very empowering thing. It's also a big responsibility thing. And that's one thing we tend to shy away from is discipline. Discipline, responsibility, and owning these is so much easier to blame. So ditch the blame. Own the new label. Create that. And the freeing part of that is it can be anything that you want it to be. It can be speaker, writer, author, coach, rock star parent, even if you've you know been an awful parent up until today, uh, a better parent. Um, one thing I learned from my friends that have been through 12-step programs um, is that there's a sign over the door that says, just for today. And when they say to you, really, you're going to be able to go the whole rest of your life without a drink? Really, you're going to be able to not do drugs or not overeat or not whatever the rest of your life? They say, I don't know about the rest of my life, but just for today. So just for today, I'm an athlete. Just for today, I'm thinner. Just for today, what I say has merit. Just for today, I can hang in here on this. So just for today is a really powerful way to move that needle. I love it. Just for today, folks. I mean, again, you're, that's the epitome of Zig's self-talk cards, which most of you have. You can always get them at Ziggler.com forward slash self-talk, but it's just for today. And it's like uh, motivation, inspiration. He says, you got to just like bathing, do it daily. And that's what Carrie is, is bringing to us. Again, you can, as we talked about at the beginning of the show, go to CarrieWilkerson.com forward slash Ziggler show. Carrie, thank you for your time today. Thank you for your heart. Thank you for Hey, thank you for inspiring my true performance today. It's just a gift to connect with you again. Thank you for blessing the entire Ziegler audience. Thank you for having me. Thanks, folks. And we'll talk to you in the next Ziegler show. Mm-hmm.